0: This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each week, you'll hear a portion of a work in progress and have a chance to interact with the author and other readers on the author's blog, posing questions, answering questions from the author, and hopefully having a lot of fun. Are you ready? Let's begin. Episode nineteen At the end of Episode eighteen, Ash found it necessary to go into the next town to figure out exactly where she was because the maps Blas gave her disagreed with what she saw in the signposts at the crossroads. When she asked a wood carver for work, she was met with suspicion, and was surprised that people could see the magic ring. They thought someone who looked as penniless as her shouldn't be wearing such a ring and she was immediately suspicious when a rich-looking man offered to give her work, if she took off the ring and gave it to him as security. Ash had no doubt that when the time came for her to move on, or more likely the man shoved her out the door as unsuitable, the ring would have vanished. He would call her a liar if she went to the local sheriff or magistrate to retrieve the ring. He might even accuse her of stealing from him muttered comments from the people standing around the woodcarver's stall reinforced that suspicion. From the narrow-eyed way the woodcarver watched the well-dressed man, he wasn't well-liked or even respected. Feared, maybe, but not liked or trusted. Not that she was going to accept the offer. Only a fool would expect the man to deal honestly with her. He hadn't even said what his business was, only that he had valuables that he wouldn't trust her not to steal. "'He's going to accuse you of stealing me "'if you linger too long,' the ring told her. "'The problem is, if you turn and leave right now, "'he'll accuse you.' "'And when they try to take it off my hand,' "'she thought in return to him.' "'Ash shuddered at the image of someone holding her down "'while someone else cut her finger off. "'What would they do when the ring vanished "'and reappeared on another finger on her hand? "'Keep cutting?' "'That's the answer,' the ring told her. "'Let them cut off my fingers?' She nearly yelped that aloud. "'Prove the ring won't come off, "'so they can't accuse you of stealing, "'because how could it come off someone else's hand? "'Essentially tell them the truth, "'just not the whole truth.' "'Sir,' she said, "'I would be glad to stay and learn a trade.' Her brain felt like it was running in tight circles as she scrambled for the words to play out the image the ring put in her head. "'However, you don't want me to stay very long.' It wouldn't be good for you, or maybe even this town. Ash held out her hand, wriggling her fingers to make the sunlight dance on the silver strands of the ring. I'm under a, well, a curse. I have to keep moving forward. I'm not allowed to take the ring off. I can't take the ring off. Here, she blurted, when the man's eyebrow cocked up even farther. If you could take this off me, I would gladly stay and learn your trade. In gratitude. The man reached out a hand that looked plump and pale. Ash feared it would be mushy and damp. Whatever his business was, he obviously didn't do the work himself, but paid others. Or, more likely, he brought in apprentices and enslaved them, and when they complained or learned too much, he accused them of stealing, enabling himself to dismiss them without the pay and supplies to set up their own businesses, as tradition and the law normally required. No, no. "'Your hands are too dirty,' he said. "'I might catch some disease from you.' He pursed his lips and fluttered his fingers in distaste. The woodcarver snorted and winked at Ash. The well-dressed man flushed and anger sparked in his eyes. He was determined to have that ring. Ash held her breath, waiting for him to start shouting that she had stolen the ring from him. "'Eric, your hands are made for tasks like this. You take the ring off him.' He fluttered his thick fingers at the woodcarver. When the other man opened his mouth, clearly about to refuse, he snapped, "'And I'll give you an extra month to find those... items I was looking for.' "'You will, will you?' Eric, the woodcarver, sat back on his stool and crossed his arms. "'What items are those?' "'I don't recall agreeing to find anything for you.' "'You know what I'm referring to.' The rich man's face flushed darker. "'Are you sure this wouldn't be a good time to slip away?' While they're arguing with each other, Ash asked the ring. Before the ring could respond, Eric flashed a grin at the well-dressed man, then winked again at Ash. I'm always up for a challenge, especially if the ring is cursed, like the boy says. The other man snorted. Several people around them chuckled or made comments that made Eric's grin widen, and the well-dressed man flush even darker. The woodcarver held out his hand, beckoning to Ash. "'You had better be right about this,' she told the ring, in the quiet of their minds, as she gave her hand into Eric's grasp and the woodcarver's fingers wrapped around hers. His skin was hard, smooth like saddle leather, hot, and adjusted to a nearly crushing grip around her ring finger. He spread her fingers to wrap his forefinger around the ring, and pulled. His smile faded. He pulled harder and kept pulling, until Ash nearly went forward across the work table between her and him. He grimaced and adjusted his grip on the ring with forefinger and thumb. The joints of her hand ached as he tried to wrap several fingers around the ring. Still, it wouldn't slide off. It wouldn't even adjust from its position at the base of her finger. Eric let out a yelp and jerked his hand back. Ash stumbled backwards, so she landed on her rump and slid a few paces away. More townsfolk around them in the market stopped and stared for several seconds. "'Cursed indeed!' the woodcarver gasped and rubbed at his fingers. "'What did you do?' Ash asked. "'Bit him?' The ring sounded like he was having fun. She could almost have been angry with him, but the woodcarver's doubt shifted to awe. Then what she suspected was admiration. "'What did a boy like you do to get saddled with a cursed ring?' Eric asked. "'Cursed!' A likely story, the well-dressed man said, his face twisting in a sneer. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, the ring said aloud. Ash nearly choked from the effort not to laugh, and not to grin at the man's wide-eyed confusion, how he looked in all directions except at the ring on her throbbing hand. Eric certainly had a crushing grip, which only made sense. What is that? the man said. I am the spirit of the ring, the boy's guardian and advisor. He has been given a series of tasks to perform, and must complete them within a specified period of time, or else the curse will strike everyone in his village. If he does not return by midnight on the last day of winter, all is lost. Ash choked on laughter, recognizing the words from a favourite story. Ha you expect us to believe you, the brown woman said, "'and spat for punctuation. "'It's a magic ring,' Eric said, with a sigh and a groan. "'It's got no reason to lie.' "'If I find out you lied to me, that this is all a trick!' "'The well-dressed man glared down at Eric, then at Ash. "'If you're going to try to change in midstream and claim the boys stole it from you,' "'someone said, from the people standing behind Ash, "'there's too many of us for you to bribe or threaten into looking the other way. "'Give up, biding Claim? I have no need to make claims. The man thrust his chest out, growing even redder. He opened his mouth, clearly ready to make the accusations Ash had feared from the moment his gaze landed on the ring. The ring flashed a pale green light that glistened on the man's rings and the silver pin holding his neckcloth. By Dean's eyes widened and his high color drained away. He opened and closed his mouth several times, then backed up. "'stumbling over several people who didn't get out of his way quickly enough. "'You're an idiot," the brown woman muttered, shaking her head. "'She winked at Ash and tottered away through the marketplace. "'In moments, the people who had gathered around to witness the little encounter dispersed, "'leaving Ash alone with Eric. "'What sort of help do you need, boy?' the woodcarver said, "'when the normal traffic and background noises of the market had resumed. "'I just want to earn some coin for the journey.' "'and a roof over my head for a few nights.' "'Ash thought of Fang. "'He would only let her stay in the village for a few nights. "'Then he would come looking for her. "'He had grown very protective of her "'since that encounter with Rupric's bully troops. "'How far do you have to go by the last of winter?' "'It isn't how far, but the things I have to find.' "'She could see that didn't satisfy him. "'I have to return to Alfordia.' "'Alfordia?' "'The woodcarver whistled.' How long have you been traveling, boy? It feels like forever. Eric gave her a disc with an oak tree carved into it, and what she assumed was his sigil on the back, and told her to go to the Silver Acorn Tavern. The owner was his sister and would feed her. He chuckled and suggested that Ash ask for a bath as well. The tavern keeper, Elian, took the token, then took a step back and frowned and looked Ash over, head to foot, three times. Then she grinned and gestured for Ash to follow her, into her private quarters, upstairs from the main room. "'Eric will either laugh or stomp off in a huff when I tell him,' she said, and shut the door with a hard click to emphasize her words. "'Ma'am?' Ash held tighter to the strap of her pack. "'Ring,' she thought. "'Am I in trouble? What's your real name?' Elian led her to a room to the left that looked like it had been tacked on to the side of the inn where a balcony had been. Ma'am? This. She opened up what Ash thought was a cabinet, revealing a series of vertical ropes. Goes down to the kitchen and a vat of hot water. Pull up as much as you need and soak as long as you want. I imagine you haven't had a decent bath in months. Do I smell that bad? That earned a chuckle. No, lass, but I've had to masquerade a time or two to save my skin, and the bath always suffers first. The question is if my brother still has the eyes to see through the mask, or he's just curious and wants to hold on to you long enough to get some answers. Lass. Ash decided to be amused that Elian had known what she was after just a few seconds. The hot bath was glorious, with lemon-scented soap. Even better was the thick stew, full of beans, chicken, and herbs, and fresh bread dripping with butter. Her only regret was that she had to turn down the dress Elian offered her. Better to stay with the disguise of a boy, especially since she had to sit in the main room at the tavern-keeper's table with her to eat that incredible meal. "'You could be a castle cook and have a much easier life,' she said, after nearly inhaling the first half of the bowl. "'Had experiences with castle folk, have you?' Elian said." I grew up an orphan and a servant until some troubles came and basically picked me up and saddled me with a ring and a watcher and a deadline. She clenched her fist and turned it to look more closely at the ring, as if she didn't have every twist and glimmer of the three strands memorized. During her bath, she and the ring had worked out the story she would follow while in this town, however long that stay would be, at least a few days, but not too many. She would get too many questions raised too many suspicions if she vanished once her stomach was filled. She needed to make friends, find out what she needed to know, chart her new route to the next cavern and over the next border, and then come up with a good reason for leaving. Where? Elian smiled as she asked, but something tightened in Ash's chest. The further along on this quest she went, the less free she felt to trust people. Look how trusting Morris had led to that attack on the edge of escaping the caverns and Fang turning partially vampire. Look how making friends with the people in Cecil's village had led to trouble. He wouldn't have had that vision-generated headache and been partially incapacitated when Ruprecht's bullies showed up. Camwell's men wouldn't have come to the village at all. She didn't doubt Lucinda and the others despised her now, having a Justiciar chasing her from one land to another. And now Elian wanted to know where she had spent most of her life. Was this to find out if her story was true, and she was who and what she claimed to be? The problem was that Ash couldn't give those details. Bad enough, she had already told Eric she had to return to Alfordia. The story she and the ring had agreed on precluded things like names and descriptions of people and dates. Fortunately, the ring had come up with the answer that he promised most people would accept and hopefully generate some pity for her. "'Sympathy was always good for greasing wheels and smoothing trails. "'The people who wouldn't accept the story "'were usually the ones who were looking for trouble "'and didn't trust much of anyone.' "'I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to say,' Ash said. "'She held out her hand, flat now, "'and the ring obligingly shimmered "'to give silent verification of what she had just said. "'Revealing names is... forbidden. "'I don't want to bring more trouble on the people who gave me a home.' "'Ah, yes.' The gossip got here while you were washing. A curse, is it? Elian nodded. Ash couldn't tell if she believed her or not. Tavern keepers needed to keep neutral faces and voices, after all, to avoid offending people or warning miscreants that the local law was about to pounce on them. Many-layered curse. She tried to smile. Suddenly, all that good, solid food she had eaten didn't sit well in her belly. Between the glorious luxury of the hot bath and clean clothes, and now the meal. Ash needed to curl up and sleep the rest of the day away, get rid of the heaviness in her belly, make herself alert and light on her feet again, ready for attack. She couldn't do that, out here in the open, among all these people. In the forest, hidden in the underbrush or safely up a tree, out of sight, yes, she could sleep. The ring and Fang would keep watch. Fang was too far away, and what could the ring do except glow and spark? and prick her finger and shout to distract attackers. What if Bideen had built up his courage and came looking for her, or someone else decided to claim she had stolen the ring? That brown woman didn't strike Ash as the sort who would quietly walk away and keep her suspicions to herself. She was the sort of unpleasant creature that scuttled along the outskirts of every town and village, ignored until trouble struck. Then she was in the middle of things— "'shouting false accusations and stirring up suspicions "'and rousing people to grab torches and pitchforks and ropes for hanging. "'What's it like growing up in a castle?' Elian sat back and reached for the pitcher of spiced cider "'sitting on a serving shelf by the door into the kitchen. "'The tavern was large enough and prosperous enough "'to have a woman in the kitchen and three serving-maids "'to deal with the customers. "'There was one large room for eating and another just for drinking,' and a third, where Ash and Elian sat now, that appeared to have been a large hallway between the two rooms at one time. Half the wall had been taken down, so from where the tavern keeper sat, she could keep an eye on everything going on, both in the kitchen and in the rooms where customers sat and talked and ate and drank. It was a clever setup. Ash felt tired just considering all the work Elian had to do, overseeing everything going on in her tavern. I don't really know because I haven't known anything else, until now. I can't compare it to anything, she said. True, the woman chuckled. So, what was an ordinary day for you? That was a safe question to answer, with mostly the truth. The closer to the truth she kept her story, the easier it would be to stay consistent. She wouldn't have to strain her brain remembering all the lies and keeping them from tangling and nodding. Ash went through what had been her ordinary day at Castle Fairhold, washing and dressing to serve in the dining room, then getting breakfast from the family's leftovers and whatever treats Myrtle had made for them, cleaning up, hauling linens and clothes to the laundry, running errands for Lady Charlotte, if she had free time, stopping in the library to read, or having a short time of lessons with Friar Ipswich, if he wasn't occupied with research or scribing letters or other documents for Lord Diggory then setting the table for the noon meal, serving, cleaning up, and the afternoon repeating the morning's cycle. Sometimes there would be exercises and chores to see where the servant children's talents lay, to determine what their future adult occupations would be. Sewing, cooking, tending to the castle's horses, going out to the farms owned by the family to tend livestock or raise crops, weaving, traveling with the merchants, training as a soldier, "'learning to cipher to assist the Seneschal and other servants "'who oversaw the efficient operations of Castle Fairhold. "'She was surprised to realize how little time it took "'to relate the ordinary course of her days. "'There was still half a mug of cider remaining, "'and she had taken only two bites of the juicy apple tart "'Elean had divided between them once the stew and the bread were gone. "'As she paused to take a bite of that tart, "'because treats like that should never be allowed to dry out,' Ash felt the weight of someone's gaze on her. She looked around, ready to scold the ring for not warning her, and met Eric's friendly gaze. He was sitting on the half-wall to her right, leaning back against one of the support posts, one leg cocked up and resting on the half-wall. It looked like a comfortable pose, and she wondered how long he had been sitting there. "'How did you get in so much trouble that you're out here, so far from Elfordia?' Eric said. "'As I said earlier,' the ring responded, and gave off a silvery burst of light that pulsed in time with his words, the wrong place at the wrong time. It's not Ash's fault, all this whole ugly quest. Everyone is best served, especially my charge here, if those details are left unspoken. Who can argue with a magic ring? He nodded. Whispers echoed those words, and a chill washed through Ash when she realized that people in the rooms behind her beyond the half-wall, were listening. I'm sorry, the ring said. I should have been more aware and warned you to never sit with your back to the room. It's a beginner's mistake. Spirit ring, Ash said. There's a difference. Is there? A gruff voice said. And a moment later, a bald head rose from behind the half-wall, slowly revealing bushy red eyebrows and big gray eyes and thick nests of wrinkles. Then a red-streaked white beard surrounding a scowling mouth. Thick fingers like sausages gripped the top of the wall as the man rested his chin on it. Ash guessed he had been sitting in a chair set against the wall. That scowling face warned her. It wouldn't do her any good to point out that listening in on conversations he wasn't part of was rude. Magistrate Blosey, Eric said, gesturing to the man. You claim that's a magic ring, do you? Blosey gestured at Ash's hand. No, sir. Ash fully regretted eating too much. How was she going to run if this situation turned problematic? Ash doesn't have to claim anything. To claim means there is some doubt as to either the truthfulness of the one speaking or the story being told, the ring said aloud. Now his glow had a faint reddish tint among the silver, as if he were angry. Well, isn't that interesting? The magistrate pushed himself up a little higher against the wall and hung both arms over the side. He held out his hand. "'Give it here. I need to examine this thing. My duty demands I protect our lovely town and its people from any inimical magic that might come among us.' "'I already told you, Magistrate,' Eric said. "'The ring won't come off.' "'You don't have magic in your fingers.' "'Well, your talent is a kind of magic,' Blosey said, with a nod and a totally flattering smile for the woodcarver. His smile faded as soon as he turned his gaze back on Ash.' But I have enough magic to overcome any weak little tricks such as this boy might try to use on those without training in real magic. He held out his hand. Give me the ring. Ash didn't want to put her hand into that thick-fingered, huge hand. The room on the other side of the wall was two steps down from Ash's side of the half-wall, but the magistrate was apparently shorter than the average man. He was also thicker. Short and heavy-set. rarely equated to jolly and friendly. She had to comply. After a moment of hesitation, she put her hand with the ring on the magistrate's open palm. The man frowned at her. Think you're being smart, do you? Sir, the ring won't come off until the quest is complete. If you can take it off me, then please do. Maybe I'll be free and I can... She shrugged. I don't know what I'll do, because I don't dare go home without completing the quest, but... Yes, yes, I suppose that makes some sense. Very little, he added and caught hold of her wrist with his other hand. His hands were hot and slightly damp, and very strong despite being so thick. Perhaps the man was more muscle than fat. Perhaps his strength was what made him the magistrate. "'Ouch!' the ring flared a darker silvery red. "'That was uncalled for you, brute. I'm not maintaining the bond, so torturing me won't do you any good. "'Brute, am I?' The magistrate's voice was in Ash's head, not her ears. He bared his teeth and wrapped his fingers around Ash's ring finger, pushing her other fingers back and aside so she cried out in pain. He yanked. Fire wrapped around the ring. Green flames that flung the man away and pushed Ash the opposite direction. So she hit the table, slid across it, knocking her empty bowl onto the floor, and crashed into the next table. She lay sprawled across the downed furniture— feeling like a rag doll that had been left out in a thunderstorm. Her hand throbbed, and when she tried to close her fingers, fiery stabs shot up her arm. She cried out and curled into a ball, gasping for breath. Beyond the thudding of her frenzied pulse in her ears, she heard laughter. "'We have to get out of this village,' she thought to the ring. "'These people are insane!' "'Absolutely!' The ring sounded rather breathless." I'm sorry, my lady. I should have detected sooner the charms he has hidden under his clothes. The magistrate had broken the fingers on either side of her ring finger, in his zeal to remove the ring. The front of his vest and the shirt underneath were burned away. In the destruction of the charms he wore sewn into the second vest, he had blisters on his very hairy chest, in the exact shape of the charms, according to Griselda, the local herb mage. She didn't have to say what she thought of the magistrate. Her eyes gleamed with amusement, except when she sniffed with disgust and warned Ash she needed to get out of the village as soon as possible. Once the magistrate stopped whimpering and thrashing about in pain from the dozen or so small burns, he was going to have her thrown into the stocks and whipped daily. "'I gave him the weakest burn ointment I had on me,' she added, as she wrapped wet cloths around Ash's hand. Ash had no idea what good wet cloths would do her hand, when the fingers were visibly crooked. She held her breath and tried not to whimper, because Griselda very clearly was doing her best to be gentle. Nothing could persuade her to be as selfishly pitiful as the magistrate. She had laid on the floor where she had landed for several minutes, while everyone gathered around him, drawn by his screams and thrashing and curses, and the stink of burned cloth and hair and melted metal, thanks to the destruction of his charms. Then Elian and Eric had picked her up, careful as they could be about her hand, and carried her upstairs to Elian's quarters. They hadn't been careful enough, though, and Ash had nearly lost consciousness twice from the jarring, then hitting her injured hand against the door at the top of the stairs. And that's the end of Episode 19. Ash is in a little bit of a trouble right now, isn't she? The magistrate was certainly cheating, using those charms to try to force the ring off of her hand, and he deserved what he got, ignoring the warning, well, maybe a false warning, but he didn't know that, that Ash was protected by a curse, the ring is kept on her hand by a curse. Once again, Ash has to leave, falsely accused, fleeing for her freedom and her life. Are you getting tired of this constantly happening to her? I know Ash is getting tired of this. How do you think she is going to get out of this mess? Find out in episode 20. And if you would like to join my Patreon group, get some inside scoops, get free short stories before they're available to everybody else, I would appreciate it very much. Just go to Patreon and look for Ye Old Dragons Library. And let's get together again next week for episode 20.